This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, May 27th. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, local COVID cases on the rise, the meaning of Memorial Day, a day in the life of a miner with Vincent Cole, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, the west end of San Miguel County is under Stage 1 fire restrictions. Sheriff Bill Masters ordered the restrictions effective Thursday, May 26th. The restrictions affect private land in unincorporated areas of the Norwood and Egnar Fire Protection Districts. The Bureau of Land Management lands managed by the Trace Rios Field Office are also under Stage 1 restrictions. Under those restrictions... Campfires are only allowed within designated fire grates in developed campgrounds. No other types of fires are permitted. Smoking is also prohibited, except within an enclosed vehicle, home, or building. Use of explosive materials, including explosive targets, is not allowed. Welding or operation of an acetylene or other similar torch with an open flame is prohibited, except in an area that has been cleared of vegetation and operation of any internal combustion engine without a spark-arresting device is not allowed. The sheriff's office notes the east end of the county continues to show safe fuel-level moisture, so the Telluride Fire Protection District is not under restrictions. That said, Sheriff Masters encourages everyone to be fire-safe. We need all of our residents and visitors to be careful, Masters says, adding, it's going to be a very dry summer. Cases of COVID-19 are rising in San Miguel County. Since the winter Omicron surge, numbers have remained low, but as hundreds of county residents are more than 90 days out from their initial infection during the surge, the county notes natural immunity has likely decreased significantly. In the last week, active cases among residents have roughly tripled from 6 to 17. That also comes on the heel of the detection earlier this month of new Omicron subvariants, BA4 and BA5, in wastewater testing. We're seeing that they're much more highly transmissible, so they're moving more quickly, which after seeing the surge in the, er, in the early winter, we're interested to see that transmission is increasing further with these subvariants. That's Lindsay Mills, public information consultant with the county. Additionally, we're seeing that they may have more immunity escape, so they could be more transmissible even if you have natural or vaccinated immunity. So this is where booster doses are coming into play and becoming increasingly important. But the increase also comes as nearly 90% of eligible county residents are fully immunized. The concern, Mills says, is transmitting to anyone who is unvaccinated or at risk. So even people that are fully vaccinated that are at-risk individuals can still, you know, suffer from heavy symptoms of COVID. Um, Additionally, we're seeing a lot of long COVID symptoms coming from adults that have been infected with COVID-19. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, Mills adds, also says any increase in cases puts a strain on hospital capacity. But that said, the CDPHE isn't super concerned right now, just given the level of cases. We're not seeing anything near what the Omicron surge was at the beginning of the year. And I think there's a lot of comfort in that fact and the fact that it's summer season. By now, Mills explains, COVID is a part of daily life. So she says the county just wants people to be aware spread is increasing and there are measures you can take. 
And of course, naturally, this is happening leading into Mountain Film and Memorial Day weekend, which kicks off our entire summer festival season. So as events get busier and people start being more active in their social settings, think about the normal precautionary measures you've been implementing for the last many, the last two years. So wearing masks in crowded indoor spaces, staying up to date on your vaccines, testing frequently. Rapid at-home tests are available for free through the federal government and locally at the Wilkinson Public Library. The county also offers free PCR testing. And the CDPHE vaccine bus is returning to Carhenge on Sunday, May 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., offering all available vaccines. When the Telluride Historical Museum gives their tours of the Lone Tree Cemetery, they always make sure to share the story of Lon and Bill Remine. They're the first documented white folks that came to this canyon, and that was in 1873. Mary Higgins is the director of public engagement for the museum. And they fought opposite each other in the Civil War. One of them fought on the Confederate side, and one of them fought on the Union side. But despite that division, the two are buried side by side in the cemetery. The legend kind of goes they actually fell out of touch and didn't talk for many years. Bill, who had lost his arm, I think, in the war, had been trampled to death by cattle at one point and was buried. And then years later, Lon, who had um, developed a reputation as a hermit in town, he died. And yeah, they, they have tombstones right next to each other in the same plot. The story, Higgins says, is memorable because it reminds us we all go to the grave at some point. Whether that's a physical grave or um, a different type of burial process, but that regardless of such large differences during your life, um, even if you're blood family and can have great unity and great division, that in the end, um, it's kind of all one and done, uh, all things said. As Memorial Day approaches this Monday, the next few days for many are a time to contemplate death, and the losses that come from war and service. Nathan Santos thinks of the people he lost while on deployment. Santos is an officer with the Mountain Village Police Department, but prior served about six years in the U.S. Army. I was an airborne infantryman, pretty much a grunt, kind of jumped out of planes for a living. Santos did tours in Korea, Ukraine, Afghanistan, Italy, and in the States. He sees Memorial Day as a time to reflect and remember those that have fallen, and how they live their lives. You know, the friends and family that we've lost, uh, given their life to whether they be veterans or first responders or and whatnot. Jim Botenhagen is another local veteran. One of his traditions is to write letters to those he served with. Botenhagen enlisted in 1968 as a hospital corpsman in the Naval Hospital in San Diego and served for four years. This is 50 years this year since I was discharged. And some of them are dying now after all these years, so I'm sending, you know, fewer letters. Botenhagen is also the San Miguel County Veterans Service Officer. In that role, he assists county residents who have served in the armed forces, as well as their family members and survivors in securing benefits. The cost of freedom, he says, isn't free. It's easy to overlook the price veterans pay unless you're married to or, you know, in a family with someone who's disabled. Higgins also has a personal connection with the military. Her father did intelligence operations attached to a Green Beret unit during the Vietnam War. Growing up, she says, her family would go to memorials on Memorial Day and Veterans Day. 
it was always interesting to see that aside from veterans and their families, you don't see the average person attending these events frequently. And not, I think, because people think they might glorify war through these events, but it's more of remembering the people who did go and commit and lay down lives and not saying, hey, this was for a good cause or a bad cause, because as we all know, war is dumb. And as they say, it's an old man's game played with young men's lives. Higgins says her father would urge young people that war is glorified and to rethink if they were considering joining the military. Bowdenhagen also points to the atrocities of war, in particular the ongoing horrors in Ukraine. You can see it in the news, see the women and children becoming refugees and seeing the atrocities all carried out by men. And I support veterans on the one hand, but on the other hand, you have to ask yourself, what's up with that? You know, it's not women who are destroying countries and killing people. It's men. (laughs) I think we need to work on change, preventing war. For those looking for a local way to honor Memorial Day, the Telluride Elks Lodge and the American Legion will hold a Memorial Day service at Lone Tree Cemetery Monday, May 30th at 11 a.m. All are welcome. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. The 2021-22 school year is officially wrapped. Earlier this week, Telluride High School's Finton Cole and KOTO's Julia Caulfield tossed their own questions back and forth for the final installment of A Day in the Life of a Minor. Look at my eyes. Finton, this is our final day in the life of a minor for the 2021-2022 school year. Um, How does it feel getting to the end of this one more school year? Well, so far it's been great. I've been, yeah, so far I've been feeling kind of awesome. I have taken my history final, my media literacy final, my science final, and my weight training final. So all I need to do is take my geometry final and then I'll be done. Congratulations. Um, what Do you have any really special or good memories from this past school year? Well, the good memories from this past school year was that the Junior Varsity Lacrosse secured another winning season this year as they did last year. I'm hoping we can do that again next year because that will be a great end to my lacrosse career after I graduate high school. You have now been reporting for Kodo for, this is the third year. What sort of things have you learned reporting for Kodo? I have learned that, you know, I think I think I just learned to, like, have a script ready and to notify the person that they're getting interviewed, update on the sports, on max preps. And that's what I've been doing for the past, I think, three years. Yeah. Um, you are going into your senior year next year, your final year of high school. How does that feel? It feels great. I mean, like, I mean, like the seniors that are graduating this year can't wait to get out of high school and go off into the world and start their next adventure. 
I mean, and some of the high, I mean, most of the high school graduates are going to be going off to college in Colorado, you, Colorado, or further west, maybe Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, maybe Wyoming, and I, and I just wish them all the best, and I, and they, and they really need to work hard in, in order to have a really nice job in their future. Fintan, do you have any questions for me? Uh, how long have you been working at Kodo? I have been working at Kodo for just about three and a half years now. What were your first years of broadcasting like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so I started at Kodo as the reporter, and then I moved into the news director position. And I will say, when I started as the news director, um, it was a big responsibility. And I had to kind of figure out how to not just work in the news, but be the, the boss in the newsroom. And then pretty much right after I became the news director, COVID hit. And so then it was just kind of almost like, triage. We were just going and working hard all the time to um, get all the information out that we could. And so by the, you know, now that we're coming out of it, it kind of feels like, oh, okay, now I've been doing this for a couple of years and it just feels really um, natural and comfortable. Like when you were growing up, what was Alaska like? Ooh. Oh, like it was like so many things. <laughs> so where the part of Alaska that I'm from actually kind of reminds me of Telluride a little bit because it's so far north. So it's also really dry. It has a lot of birch trees and aspens um, like we do here. And climate wise, it kind of feels the same. And it was so much fun just because we got to spend a lot of time outside going camping. In the winter, we would go dog mushing, which was always fun. Um, and just... Yeah, getting to, to be outside as much as possible and getting the, the midnight sun in the summer because we were that far north was, was always really exciting. So how long have you been living in Alaska before you moved here? I was born and raised there. So I lived there pretty much 100% of the time from the time I was born until I graduated from high school and went to college. Where did you go to college? I did my undergrad at Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington. And then I did my master's degree at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London. Are you talking about London, UK? I am. And what year did you move to Telluride? I moved to Telluride January 2019. Well, how is Telluride like for you now? I love it here. Do you like, do you like living in Telluride, Fenton? Well, well, some of the time, I mean, like... When I graduate high school, I've been thinking about, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about, you know, I've been talking about this with my mom, and we're just going to see what life will be like after high school. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah. Um, what do you have planned for this summer? Anything fun? Well, I think it's going to be like, I think I might work at Sawpit Mercantile for the summer part-time and I just hope I can get closer into possibly getting an education if I wanted. Perfect. Fintan, do you want to do a final sign off for the last day in the life of a minor for the school year? Sure thing.
Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this year. It has it is greatly appreciated. This is what keeps Kodo rolling. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners that have tuned in to Kodo from Grand Junction to here. And I just want to say thank you for all you did this year. And I and I just I can't wait for what will happen next year. So with that, I'm going to sign off for the last time this year. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we will see you next year. Rhonda Muckerman has many links to San Miguel County. She and her family spent over a quarter century in the area before moving out to Durango two years ago. As a professionally trained music educator and conductor, she contributed in many ways to the local music scene, from working with the local schools to directing the Telluride Choral Society. She also went through some unimaginably difficult times while in the region. Recently, Muckerman published a book of song and water about those challenges. This weekend, she will be at Between the Cupboards Bookstore on Saturday, May 28th from 2 to 3.30 p.m., to sign copies of the book during the Mountain Film Ice Cream Social. K.O.T.O. spoke with Muckerman, who says the story is hard to explain, but ultimately, it's about healing. What helped me to heal, what helped my family to heal, and what really helps me stay linked in life to the bigger picture, to what some people might call love or light or possibility or hope, is song and water, what it is that I'm fundamentally composed of. The book has these two platforms of music and nature, and then it chronicles this really difficult time that my family went through. First of all, our son Elliot, who died of an accidental drug overdose eight years ago at the age of 25, which launched us into this period that was just devastating and challenging and, you know, every word you can imagine, really a stretch for us. And then at the same time, my husband Peter, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease around the same time. My training as a professional musician gives me this soundtrack that accompanies me through my life. And I believe that all people have a soundtrack of music that accompanies them through their lives, whether they're a professional musician or not. The music that means the most to us, that opens our heart, that transports us. I think that music comes from the highest place in the universe. And so what is it that sustains us? It's light, it's hope, it's possibility, it's healing. And for me, music is the channel that gets me to that highest place. The music that I was working with, whether it was with my kids at the Telluride schools that I directed, or the music that I was directing people to make in the Telluride Choral Society, it sustained me, it gave me strength to go on. And also, 
we lived in Lawson Hill at the time and frankly just scurrying down the hill to the Galloping Goose Trail or to the Keystone Loop. That was frankly in a lot of ways that was really my sanity. That was really being near the water, the San Miguel River, being near that force of water and in nature and just being able to go down there on a daily basis if I needed to, to cry, to pray, to walk, to think, to clear my head was really something that gave me such a foundation of strength and such a resource that I don't know how I could have done it without it. The book really chronicles quite a bit of my husband's healing process uh, with Parkinson's disease. Not that he was cured, but he's in a much better state of health than he was in a few years ago, thank God. And there's a scene in the book in a moment in our lives where I'm literally holding him in the ocean on the beach in Cozumel. There's a, a beach there called Punta Sur, South Point. Our tour guide said, oh, it has healing water. So it was like, it was on our agenda. We were going to go there. And I was holding my husband in these possibly healing waters. I believe all water is healing, holding him and praying over him. And from that moment forward, when we went home, my husband was, after many trials and tribulations, trying to relieve his symptoms of Parkinson's, finally started feeling some relief, started being able to tolerate the medication and get and start getting better, literally. Don't give up. Keep going. That was my, my husband's message. And look look for the light in your life, whether it's as simple as watching the sunrise or feeling it on your face, restoring yourself through nature, through music, through friendship, through community, that somehow there is always hope. When I finally finished this book and looked at it in its 36 very brief chapters and looked at the lineage that I saw through the book, what I saw was grace. And what I see is grace and blessings from one chapter to the next of my life, working to navigate my way through my life like we all are, looking for a sense of connection, for a sense of family, for a sense of purpose, for healing and health. And I think that every single one of us, hopefully, if we were to really kind of unfold and unknot our lives and look through the whole thing, the challenges and everything else, hopefully we see a sense of grace that is running through our lives like a current of water, like a stream that is always accompanying us. But we have to just fine tune our vision so that we can see it. She said, losing love is like a window in your heart. Rhonda Muckerman will be at Between the Covers Bookstore in Telluride this Saturday, May 28th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. to sign copies of her book, of Song and Water during the Mountain Film Ice Cream Social. Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland. All of us, no matter who we are or where we come from, have stories. And some of our most impactful moments can come from just sharing those stories. This Monday, Telluride Theatre and Mountain Film are collaborating to put on the latest edition of Telluride's local storytelling extravaganza, The Downlow. Mountain Film guests and Telluride locals will take to the stage to share their experiences around the night's theme, The Other Side. The Downlow is free and open to the public 18 and up this Monday, May 30th at 7 p.m. at the Telluride Transfer Warehouse.
U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert and State Senator Don Corum met in a Republican primary debate Thursday near Durango. The wide-ranging discussion included personal attacks and calls to arm school teachers. KSUT's Mark Dugan has more. Boebert and Corum met at Skyute Casino in Ignacio for the first of two debates planned for their Congressional District 3 primary race. Various estimates put the attendance at between 350 and 500 people, with Boebert supporters outnumbering those for Corum. Most observers agreed the crowd was cordial. The candidates touched on a variety of subjects, including inflation and drought. But the debate began with a somber question. What would the candidates do to reduce mass shootings, and more specifically, school shootings? Both called for arming school teachers. Here's incumbent Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. This is something that I've been advocating for, for years, that we need to be able to arm and protect ourselves, that moms need to be able to have a tool, an equalizer, to protect their children, that our teachers need to be well-equipped and trained and certified to also protect our children. Gun-free zones have proven to be deadly. That is where we see mass shootings. Our schools are absolutely soft targets. Bobert's challenger, Senator Don Corum, echoed her sentiments about what he called hardening schools. Our, our school buses and our, our schools are targets. There is technology available out there that to prevent people from coming into these buildings. We need to use that. The common ground between the two candidates didn't last long. Immigration became a contentious issue in the debate, with Boebert making accusations of quorum based on his voting record. Because the Colorado State Legislature created a Department of New Americans, a.k.a. Department of Amnesty. And it says on the Colorado website that these people include refugees, asylees, DACA recipients, SIV holders, and all other forms of immigrants seeking safety, opportunity, and reunification of family. Chain migration happening right here. The state legislature voted to increase their benefits even, and my opponent voted yes for that Department of Illegal Immigration. Corum responded by asking the debate audience to look at the numbers in the Colorado legislature, which is dominated by Democrats. He also asked them to look at the human side of immigration. I'm not in favor of illegal immigration either, but they are here, and we have a responsibility. You, the citizens of Colorado, their children can go to school, they're entitled to medical care, and they also, they are human beings that needed representation and the love of God. The closing remarks at Thursday's CD3 Republican primary debate were peppered with personal attacks. I believe America thrives when we stick to our conservative principles, work hard with determination and merit. And Don Corum wants the government to spend more of your tax dollars and has no problem handing his voting card to Governor Polis. So let's sure as heck not allow him to hand a voting card to Nancy Pelosi. I'm not looking for a reality TV show. I'm looking to do the job. And I've been on the job. I've been there for 12 years doing the job. I have not decided to jet around the country and be a celebrity and take on this image that I am the darling of America. I'm here to work. I'm a workhorse. I'm not a show horse. Both candidates declined media interviews following the hour-long debate. Thursday's forum was moderated by Dave Woodruff, who serves as the Durango chapter president of the Colorado Restaurant Association. 
The next debate between Congresswoman Boebert and Senator Corum is slated for Pueblo, but neither campaign has agreed to specifics. Colorado's primary election is June 28th. I'm Mark Dugan, KSUT News. Thousands of Coloradans are getting ready to flock to the mountains for the long Memorial Day weekend and the unofficial start of summer. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, meteorologists say travelers should be vigilant about increased fire danger. Forecasters say conditions will likely be hotter and drier than usual. There are a handful of fires burning this week in southwest Colorado, and red flag warnings are a possibility in some parts of the state, especially south of Interstate 70. Carrie Bowen is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Boulder. I wouldn't say we're out of the woods when it comes to uh, elevated conditions over the Memorial Day weekend. So we just definitely want everybody to be considering that and to be up to date on uh, fire bans in the area that they're recreating. Despite recent snow and rain, more than half of the counties in Colorado are under some form of fire restrictions, according to the state's emergency management office. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Saturday, expect partly sunny skies with a high in the mid-60s and wind gusts as high as 35 miles per hour. Saturday night should be mostly cloudy with isolated showers, a low around 40 degrees, and winds as high as 25 miles per hour. Sunday, there's a 60% chance of precipitation with scattered showers and thunderstorms and a high in the mid-50s. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour. Sunday night, expect scattered rain and snow showers with some thunder possible and a low around freezing. This has been the news for Friday, May 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off this Monday, May 30th for Memorial Day. We will be back with Off the Record on Tuesday and more news on Wednesday.